Good morning. Welcome to worship at Reveille United Methodist Church. We are so glad to have both those of you who are here in our sanctuary this morning and those of you who are joining us online. My name is Kelly Lane, and I'm one of the ministers here. And we are delighted today to welcome the Reverend Dr. Will Willimon to our pulpit. He has a wonderful message, and so we are excited to hear him. But before we begin, I want to invite you to take a few minutes today to look in your bulletin to see all of the ways that you can engage in ministry here at Reveille, but in particular to draw your attention to the United Women in Faith call to prayer and self-denial that will be this Wednesday. So we hope that all women will be able to join us for that. The Lord be with you. Let us prepare our hearts and minds for worship.
Please stand in body or in spirit and join me in our call to worship. O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us come into God's presence with thanksgiving. For the Lord is a great God and a ruler above all gods. O come, let us worship and bow down. For the Lord is our God. Hear the word of the Lord today. Harden not your hearts as at Meribah, as on the day at Massa in the wilderness, when your forebears tested me. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. For the Lord is our God. We are the people of God's pasture, the sheep of God's hand. Let's make a joyful noise using the great hymn of our faith, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, number 400 in your hymnal. Please join in singing. Come Thou Fount of Every Scriptures call us to turn from our sinful ways and return to God, trusting in God's mercy. Let us confess our sins together. 
Holy and gracious Lord, like the people of Israel in the wilderness, we have hardened our hearts to you. You have come in grace to save us. You have offered water from the rock, and we still turn aside from your grace. Forgive us, O merciful Lord. We are sinners in need of a Savior, and offer you ourselves through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Hear the good news. God's love is sure and steadfast. Through Christ's love poured out, we are reconciled to God and neighbor. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. As those who have been forgiven and reconciled to God and neighbor... Let us exchange signs of Christ's peace with those around us. And if the children will please come up for the children's message. Peace. Edward and Ella and Olivia and Hazel and Barrow. What a great group. We are so glad you want to sit up here on the steps. Come and sit right here on the step. You want to sit right there? We are so, so glad you are here today. Good morning. How is everyone? Are you good? Are you having a good day? Are you a little sleepy? Yeah, a little sleepy. I think everybody's a little sleepy today. I want to start with a story today. And I'm going to start it this way. A long, long time ago, in a land far, far away, I went to kindergarten. I was five years old, and I went to kindergarten. If any of you have gone to kindergarten or are in kindergarten, raise your hand. Or maybe you're in preschool. Raise your hand. Raise your hand if you're in preschool. Yeah, some of you are in preschool. I know because I see you at the weekday school. Okay, now I remember vividly one time at, at, I loved kindergarten. I loved kindergarten because they had really great toys. They had super toys. They had great dolls, and they had great doll accessories, especially doll dresses. And I remember as a five-year-old little girl holding a doll dress in my hand and wanting to take it home with me for my dolly at home. Has anybody ever had that struggle? No, everybody's very honest. Okay, 
Nobody's had that struggle. Well, that is a struggle for a lot of us because when we know something's wrong, but we really, really want to do it, and then we do it anyway, that's called sin. And sin separates us from God. But guess what? Even when we sin, God loves us anyway. He loves us so much that he sent who into the world? He sent Jesus into the world as our Savior to save us from our sin. I like to think of Jesus as our, what is this a picture of? A lifesaver. He was the original lifesaver. Yes, he was. And I want to ask you a hard question. How do we know when something is wrong? How do we know in your, in your spirit? How do you know when something's right or wrong? Have you ever thought about that? Maybe have your parents taught you what's right and wrong? Yeah, maybe you've learned at church and in the Bible. But also, when God creates us, he puts a moral law within to let us know in our spirit, this is right and this is wrong. And he gives us free will, but sometimes we make bad choices, and that sin separates us from God. But he sent Jesus as a lifesaver to connect us back to God so that we are not separated from God. Now, Miss Karen's going to take it from here because she's got another type of lifesaver to tell you about. Hello, everybody. Can anybody tell me what this is? What is it, Ella? It's a life vest. And can somebody tell me what this does? What does this life vest do? Olivia? Okay, great. So if I put this life vest on when I am going out into the water, then it is going to keep me from drowning. And that is exactly what Jesus does. Jesus keeps us all from drowning. And it would be awful to be without him. It would be like going out into the water without a life preserver. And in the earlier service, somebody even said it's like a seatbelt because a seatbelt keeps us safe in the car. So to live without Jesus is like going into a car and not putting our seatbelt on, going into the water without putting that life preserver on. So our Bible verse today says Christ is the one who can look who we can look to for hope and life. God gives us love and salvation. We should look to God alone and seek God first in our lives. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your love for us. Even when we sin, thank you for sending Jesus to be our lifesaver, all the days of our life. Help us to walk in him and put our faith and trust in you. Amen. praying the prayer for illumination, which is found in your bulletin. 
Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. Today's first lesson is from the book of Exodus, chapter 17, verses 1 through 7, which may be found on page 56 of your pew Bible. After delivering the people of Israel from slavery in Egypt, the Lord has been providing manna for them to eat in the wilderness. From the wilderness of sin, the whole congregation of the Israelites journeyed by stages as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. The people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water, and the people complained against Moses and said, Why did you bring us out of Egypt? To kill us and our children and livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord, What shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord said to Moses, Go on ahead of the people and take some of the elders of Israel with you. Take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will be standing there in front of you on the rock of Horeb. Strike the rock and the water will come from it so that the people may drink. Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. He called the place Massa and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Welcome Dr. Will Willeman to our pulpit today, and I'm excited for him to be in our midst. Uh, he has intentionally instructed me to make a short introduction to him, but uh, most of you are aware, perhaps through the studies we've done at this church and other places, about the uh, unique perspective that he brings to us, especially today. He is a gifted academic, he was a former bishop, and has done many things to uh, move our church and to speak to our church throughout the last uh, years and decades. We are appreciative and grateful for his ministry and his presence with us here today. Uh, Dr. Willeman, we're glad you're here. Glad to be back at this lively church that means so much to so many of us. Uh, glad to be back, even though none of you remember that I was ever here before, but I'm glad to be back. Um, it's Lent. In the season of Lent, the church talks about what, well, we Methodists don't talk about that much, sin. And the prescribed scripture readings for this Sunday in Lent 
First, uh, we've heard about there in the wilderness of sin, the, the people that God has just liberated from slavery out in the wilderness, as soon as they get out there, they start complaining. They said, what have you brought us out here to kill us, uh, Moses? And Moses said to the Lord, what am I going to do with these people? They're complaining and they're whining. I've just had it with these people. They're ungrateful. This text is a favorite one of preachers. Get it? Anyway, uh, and uh, what am I going to do with these people? You put me out here in the wilderness with the wrong people, these ungrateful, sinning people. And the Lord says, what am I going to do? What are you going to do? with? I'll tell you what I'm going to do with them. I'm going to save them. I'm going to give them water from the rock. I'm going to preserve them. Well, that sets us up for the New Testament lesson assigned Romans 5. And let me warn you, Romans 5, this, this text has ignited the church time and again when we became complacent. Romans 5, uh, Martin Luther read Romans 5, and after reading it said, my church has betrayed the gospel. I've got to reform the church. Thus began the Protestant Reformation. Uh, John Wesley went to a church meeting on Aldersgate Street in London reluctantly. Somebody was reading from Luther's preface to Romans, read from Romans 5, and John Wesley had his heartwarming experience. He went home that night and wrote in his diary, I knew that God, that Christ had died for my sins, even mine. So you've been warned, Romans 5, 1 through 11. We are justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to his grace in which we stand and we boast in the hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. And here, hear the controversy. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Indeed, rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, although perhaps for a good person, someone might actually dare to die. But God proves his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more surely then, now that we have been justified by his blood, will we be saved through him from the wrath of God? For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more surely, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life. But more than that, we even boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. This, the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. When I was a college chaplain, 
he came to me in great distress and said he was afraid that because of what he had done the previous weekend, he was going to be kicked out of school. I said, trust me, you got to be a worse sinner than that to get kicked out of Duke. Nobody, yeah. Uh, I said, what, what, what's your problem? And he said, well, you know, we were drunk and all, and I shouldn't have done it, and she, but, and then I, and uh, I just, and, and then he broke down in tears and said, I just can't believe that I, uh, a graduate of one of the best prep schools in New England, and now here at the university, I, I can't believe that I would do something that horrible. And I said, uh, well, I can because, well, I'm a Christian and I believe, like Paul says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And he said, I, I just, I can't face people, I can't face myself, much less can I face God after what I've done. And I, I asked him, I said, uh, are you a member of a church? And I was just praying he wouldn't say Methodist, but he did. He said, yeah, I, I grew up in a Methodist church. I said, well, maybe that's why you appear to know so little of Scripture. Uh, have you ever read Romans 5? He said, no. I said, well, go home and read Romans 5. Christ died not for good people who got their act all together and are doing well in life. Christ died only for the ungodly. You're the good news is Christ is a sucker for people like you. Therein is your hope. Maybe we, we forget this. Maybe we think, you know, church is where you come for, where basically good people come for a little moral tuning. And um, we're basically people, uh, well, we've got our, we've made some mistakes, but we're basically good people who are making moral progress and moving forward, and, and we're sincere, and, well, if that's what church is, then it seems like Paul implies church, church, no, Christ didn't come for basically good people who are making progress. He came only for the ungodly. Uh, and yet, I bet some of you would agree with me when I say one of the great challenges of following Jesus Christ is uh, the company he keeps, precisely who he is as God of the ungodly. As a great theologian has said, you know, any God can be God of the lovable and the lovely. That's easy. No, it takes Jesus Christ to be the God of the un ungodly. And, th and that can be hard. I've been a bishop, and uh, I can tell you, uh, one of the things bishops do is to receive the credentials of clergy calling it quits. And uh, no Methodist preacher has ever thrown in the towel and called it quits because of Jesus. And you might, you think they might, you know. He just raises the bar. He's too demanding. He just wants too much. No. The reason Methodist preachers give up is you, the laity, 
They love Jesus. They just can't stand working with his friends. They, it, it is hard. Uh, when I became bishop in Alabama, people would sometimes ask, what do you miss most about your life in academia, in the university, with your life now in Alabama as a church bureaucrat? I thought about it. I said, you know, I miss most the Duke University Office of Undergraduate Admissions. Because through their conscientious work, they had tests and you had to fill out forms and do essays and they vetted people and they ensured that I could spend every day on campus in conversation with people who looked and thought just like I did. And it was wonderful. Oh, we had differences of race or gender and all, but basically all of us had been equally successful in working the American educational system to our personal advancement. And it was wonderful. We were all on the same page. In the church, we're forced to work with anybody Jesus Christ drags in the door. And it can, it can be hard. Uh, in our church now, we, we got a church uh, dividing into uh, two groups of people. One identifies themselves as progressives. Uh, the other identifies themselves as traditionalists, two terms unknown in the Bible. Anyway, uh, and uh, they, uh, they are fighting up, choosing up sides. Are you right, left, conservative? Right? Uh, one group says, I'm sorry. I, I just cannot be in a church where there are people who say and think those things about my LBGTQ uh, siblings in Christ. I said, sure you can. If you're going to be in any church in North America, you're going to probably have to worship God that way with people like, yeah. The other group says, I, I'm just tired of the arguments. I'm tired that there are people in church that read the Bible differently than I read it. I just want some things to be settled and fixed and final. And I say to them in love, hey, if St. Paul couldn't create a church like that, I know you can't. Uh, it, th blame it on Jesus Christ. From the beginning, Jesus Christ saved people that people thought, nice people, church people, thought couldn't be saved. People who, who didn't, people saving people we didn't even want saved. A few weeks ago, preaching on a text you, you know about, Zacchaeus, little man, climbed up the sycamore tree. Jesus, on his way to his cross, goes through the town of Jericho. He calls this man Zacchaeus down. Zacchaeus is not simply short, uh, but he, he's also introduced as the tax collector. He's not only a tax collector, a quisling, uh, somebody fleecing his own people out of money to pay for the Roman occupation forces in Judea, somebody stealing from widows and orphans, uh, a tax collector. He's the chief tax collector of all tax collectors. In other words, the worst man in town. And Jesus is going through Jericho. He doesn't have much time left. He's on his way to his cross. And he, he doesn't reach out to a poor crippled person who's been lame from birth, 
and heal him. He doesn't reach out to the poor widow who's blind and vulnerable. He doesn't talk to anybody in all town except the worst sinner in the whole town. And the righteous people notice it. Oh my, he's gone to be the guest of a man who's a sinner. Uh, and there, at, when he's at Zacchaeus' home, the worst mob boss in town, Jesus says, Today, salvation has come to this man's house. Uh, it's as if the gospel is saying, You want to know why Jesus was crucified? Because that's what we do to people who talk like that. Christ died not for, you know, moderate uh, religious but not showy Methodist kind of people who, you know, maybe not to be the best people in the world, but we're certainly not the worst. And, and No. Paul says flat out, Jesus Christ died just for the ungodly. Uh, time and again, we have to confront the kind of God that we've got. Time and again, we've got to admit it's, it's, it's one thing to get saved by Jesus. It's another thing to, to find people that I don't particularly care for saved by Jesus. People that I measure myself by and my own righteousness. <clears throat> I had a pastor tell me as a bishop, he said, I had the brilliant idea to send him this church in need of good leadership out in uh, uh, West Alabama. He said, Bishop, I cannot go to that church. You're not from Alabama. You don't, that, that is a horrible section of Alabama. Those people are back. I mean, it is like Mississippi. I cannot go there. If I go there, it, I might, it might destroy my marriage if I went there. I cannot go there with those people. And I said to him, in love, uh, you know, I don't particularly care for those people any more than you do. Uh, and uh, I, I, I don't know why Jesus Christ founded a church out there with people like them, but he just, he thinks they're worth dying for. So have a good time out there, you and Jesus. <laughs> it's one of the scandals of the faith. It's, uh, well, you might, you might be willing to give your life for a really, really, really good person. And Paul says, this isn't about that. He shows his love for us in that he died for the ungodly. First Bible verse I ever learned, John three sixteen, For God so loved me and people who look a lot like me uh, that God gave his... No. God loves the world uh, in all of its ungodliness. Embrace. That is our hope. And yet, that is also one of our biggest challenges. Uh, we're having a youth rally out 
in Alabama at the church camp, 500 screaming teenagers there at the church camp assembled on Saturday night. Duffy Robbins taught youth ministry at Asbury Seminary, the preacher. And Duffy stood up, just as I've done, and read Romans 5, 1 through 11, to the gathered, gathered youth. At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. And then Duffy said, Now, I need your help to kind of preach the sermon tonight. Uh, up here on the stage, uh, to my left, we've got the godly. That is godliness over there. This is, but to my right is ungodliness. That is ungodliness over here. Now, as I call your name, I want you to place yourself along this continuum. Where do you think you fit when it comes to godliness, ungodliness? Okay? I called your name. Okay, first name, Mother Teresa of Calcutta. Yeah, you. Come up. Place yourself. Mother Teresa, of course, who can be more godly than Mother Teresa over there? Said, all right, uh, Martin Luther King, Jr., Okay, Martin Luther King Jr. comes up. Mother Teresa warmly welcomes him. And uh, he said, okay, Attila the Hun, uh, ungodly. Uh, Adolf Hitler, yeah, well, no doubt about Over there with the ungodly. Uh, next, uh, Bill Clinton. Uh, next, Mahatma Gandhi. Uh, well, he wasn't Christian, but he was still a really good person. Okay, over there with the, the, the godly and... Uh, Went on and on, uh, and, and then he said, now, we need one more person up here to make this right. Uh, Jesus Christ. You, Jesus Christ, come on up. Young woman came up, warmly welcomed by Gandhi, Mother Teresa. Uh, and Robin said, gosh, I get that you're not doing that well in school. Do you, do you people listen to, to anything that I've read you? Let, you're happy with this arrangement? Yeah. Well, let me, let me read you once again Romans 5. Uh, for while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Indeed, rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Well, as he was reading... Jesus quietly, sheepishly slipped over from the godly over to the ungodly. By the time Robbins was finished, there was Jesus hanging out with Attila the Hun and Adolf Hitler. And so then he said, now, is anybody here tonight who has the guts to follow Jesus Christ? to go where he goes uh, and do what he does when you walk into your middle school Monday morning. Anybody here up for that kind of risk? And as the band played, a uh, hundred or so just streamed down to the altar, just dying to be part of that adventure. One reason I love Scripture, like Romans 5, is, is, and one reason we gather and we're quiet and we bend our lives toward Scripture is Scripture like this keeps 
church as adventuresome as Jesus means church to be. Amen. Our hymn of response is number 365, Grace Greater Than Our Sin. Let us stand and sing that truth together.
us remain standing as together we say what we believe using the Apostles' Creed. You can find that on page 881 of our hymnals. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us please be seated. Let us pray. O Creator God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the gift of life. We thank you for your great love, O Lord, that you have created this world and that you love the whole world and each person in it. We thank you that you show no partiality, O God. And we thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, who came to seek and to save the lost. Help us to follow Jesus and to do what he does. We pray, O Lord, that you would save us. Give water to those who are thirsty. Give food to those who are hungry. Give forgiveness to those who have sinned. Give light to those who are in the dark. Welcome those who are a stranger. Heal those who are sick. Comfort those who grieve. Save us, O Lord, and love us. 
and help us to love anyone that you drag through our church doors. Help us to love anyone that you bring into our lives. Help us to love others as you have loved us. We pray, Lord, for our world around us. We pray for peace wherever there is war and conflict, and especially we continue to pray for peace in the land of Ukraine. We pray for those in California who are facing floods. We pray for all those, that you would help all those who are dealing with natural disasters in any way. And we pray for the church. We pray for Reveille Church. We pray for our partner churches in Swansboro, Love Center of Unity and Koinonia Christian Church. We pray that you would bless all of our ministries, that he, we would help, that we would share your love and your grace and your salvation to the world around us and to all people that we encounter. Hear our prayers this day, O God, and now in the silence of our hearts, we lift up to you any personal concerns that we may have. Hear our prayers this day, O oh God, as we lift all of these to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, who taught us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. As we continue to respond to the word read and the word proclaimed, we come now to give our offerings to God. And for those who are uh, guests with us this day, we ask that you offer your presence to us by filling out our welcome guest card, pink cards that are uh, in the pew in front of you. You can fill out this card and place it in the offering plate when it comes around. And now let us return our tithes and our offerings back to the Lord.
Let us pray. We do praise you, O God, for all blessings do come from you. You are the source of all of our gifts. And we thank you most of all for your greatest gift to us, Jesus Christ. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. He ate with sinners, healed the sick, fed the hungry, welcomed children. And we thank you for all that you did, O oh Jesus Christ. And as we return back to you now, a portion of the many gifts you have given us, bless these gifts and use them that we may do what you did. We ask all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Lift high the cross. Our final hymn is number 159.
As you go forth to proclaim the love of Christ, we invite you in the week ahead to use the GPS devotional that is in the inside of your bulletin. Use this devotion to help prepare for next week's service. And now, go forth to serve God and your neighbor in all that you do. You are sent in Christ's name, and in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.